Welcome to Renovate, the young adult ministry of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We are for all young adults. Whether you're far from God or walking close to Him, we believe that our God fully knows us and fully loves us. So instead of leaving us as He finds us, He is constantly and graciously renovating our lives so we can look more like Him. Enjoy this week's message. Good evening. How are you doing? Pretty good. All right. Fantastic. Uh, So my name is Josh Story. Uh, I have the privilege of being uh, the young adult teaching pastor here. Uh, I am also a fairly standard issue, uh, middle class, suburban white guy. Um, And uh, growing up, that's kind of who I was. That's kind of the life that I had. I was very fortunate to have uh, a family, uh, a really good network around me. I had access to a good education. Uh, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth or vacationing in the Hamptons, but life was good. Um, I had, uh, by the grace of God, I had a very uh, great life growing up. And as a result, I have never personally experienced injustice. I, I just haven't. I've just never personally experienced injustice. And what I found is that because I had never experienced injustice, my personal experience shaped the way that I viewed the stories of injustice that I heard about in the culture, right? Because I just never experienced it. And so best case scenario, how that played out is that I was just apathetic or indifferent. I just didn't really care about the injustice because it didn't pertain to me. Worst case scenario, I would move into these places in my heart where I would minimize the pain of others because I didn't have anything to compare it to. My life experience had told me that I'm not really sure that that's how the world works. I'm not really sure that's what's happening out there. So I would hear stories of systemic oppression or claims about systemic injustice. And because that wasn't my experience, I would kind of think, I don't know about that. I don't know. Like, I would hear stories of systemic uh, racism. And I'd be like, man, you know, to be honest, like, slavery was like 200 years ago. This is America. Things are equal, right? Like, there's, there's, there's equality. Like, you can be whatever you want to be out here, right? Like, we've had a black president. So why, like, why, why would we ever think that there's, there's not equality? Like, like what, are we, what are we complaining about? To be completely honest, there have been moments in my life where that was my posture towards injustice. Because I approached it with my own view of the world and my own personal experience, which was uh, I had never experienced it. So I questioned whether the experiences of, of others were actually valid or not. And then I read the Bible. And what happened when I read the Bible, when I opened the Word of God, what I found is that I was a person that absolutely boasted in the fact that I was a child of God, yet my posture looked nothing like my father. I claimed all day to be a child of a God, yet my posture looked nothing like my father because our God is a God who is not indifferent to injustice. He is not passive towards injustice. He does not minimize the pain of others. Our God is a God of grace and compassion and mercy and a God of justice. And his posture toward those who are made in his image whose dignity is under attack, his posture is one of compassion and justice and caring deeply about their suffering. So I tell you that for two reasons. One, 
If you're in this room and you've had thoughts or feelings like the ones I just described, I get it. I understand that because I've been there myself. I understand how you can get to a place where you think those things. But two, I want to lovingly tell you that if you claim to be a child of God, yet your posture toward uh, injustice is indifference, you look nothing like your father. If you claim to be a child of a God, yet you have an indifferent posture toward injustice, you just don't look like your father. And so I bring that up because we have been in this series called Church People. And the goal of this series is we're trying to address the gap between who our culture thinks we are and who God actually calls us to be as his kids. Because the reality is that oftentimes when the world looks at us, they, they see people that best case scenario are indifferent to injustice or worst case scenario, they are either uh, minimizing the pain of others or maybe even facilitating some of that injustice. When in reality, what we see in scripture, we have a God who calls his kids to look like him, that has a posture of compassion towards those who are suffering injustice. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to talk about how do we become children of God that look like our father? How do we change our posture? Maybe that's a perspective shift. But how do we become people that actually look like our Father when it comes to injustice? So that's where we're going tonight. It's really simple. We're just going to try to figure out how do we look like our Father. And before we start, let me say one, uh, one thing. If you are in the room tonight and you're not um, a follower of Christ, first off, I'm so glad that you're here. I realize that you could be doing a ton of other things on a Wednesday night, so it means a lot that you'd even uh, entertain the idea of walking in this place. But what I want you to know is that if somewhere along the way, like your hang-up about Christianity or your hang-up about Jesus, is that you've seen his followers and, and, and you've seen this kind of inconsistency and you think, man, some of those Christians, man, they've, they've just done some heinous things. And I want you to know that, I mean, Christians have done um, a ton of amazing things in the name of Christ to actually push back darkness in the world, but we've also done some things that have given us a black eye. So if your hang-up is that we've done some unjust things, I, I think that's a valid hang-up. I really do. But my hope tonight is that you get to see behind the curtain and you get to see who our God is, who, what our God's heart for injustice actually is. Because I don't want you to miss the beauty of who our God is because some of his followers have just not done a great job representing him accurately. So my hope for you, if you're in this room, is that uh, that is what you take away tonight. So, as we get started, we need to define a couple things. Right? I think it's important to define the terms that we use. If you know me, I love clarity. Uh, it's my favorite thing in the world, so I want us to be on the same page. So we need to define what we mean when we say justice. Right? If I say the word justice, there's probably just a bunch of different definitions and ideas, and so I want us to be clear on what I'm talking about tonight when I say the word justice. I'm talking specifically about a Hebrew word called mishpat. Mishpat. Everyone say mishpat. mishpat. Just rolls off the tongue. It's like Francisco, which is fun to say, right? Mishpat. Um, the word mishpat is, is a fascinating word. Fascinating word. It's used 421 times in the Old Testament. That's a lot of times, right? Um, but this word mishpat uh, is different than kind of our uh, kind of modern Western understanding of what justice is. When, when we talk about justice, we typically think of what we call a retributive sense of just, justice. And what a retributive sense of justice means is that it is that the punishing of those who do wrong. 
right? So kind of our, our modern court, courtroom kind of scene where you know, if you do wrong, you pay for that. Either you do jail time, you pay a fine, you, you do something. There's, there's retribution made for the wrong that you've done. And, and there are moments when, when mishpat is used in a retributive sense, but 90% of the time, an overwhelming majority of the time when mishpat is used in Scripture, it's not used in a retributive sense. It's used in what's called a restorative sense. A restorative sense. What a restorative sense means is that it is a sense that you are protecting the most vulnerable in a society. Restorative justice is about fighting for those who are most uh, at risk of being taken advantage of. Those who are most at risk of being oppressed, those who are most vulnerable in a society. That's what the word mishpat means. And that's the, the word justice that we're going to be talking about tonight. So um, an example of this is Micah 6, 6 8. Micah 6, 6 8 is a verse uh, that talks about kind of who we are supposed to be as believers. And, and it says this. It says, he has told you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That, that word for justly is the word mishpat. Now, when I grew up, this was a, a verse that, that didn't quite make sense to me because I couldn't understand how you could do justice and love mercy at the exact same time. Because if justice is people getting what they deserve and mercy is people not getting what they deserve, those are in conflict, right? So, so if you view justice uh, strictly in a retributive sense, then yeah, that doesn't make sense. You, you can't make people pay for their wrong, but also show them mercy at the same time. But if justice is restorative, if justice is this posture of, hey, I'm, I'm fighting for those who are vulnerable, those who are most at risk of being oppressive, if I'm try, trying to, to rally around and advocate those who are uh, at risk of being oppressed, then showing mercy, man, that, those coincide. Because to care for the people who are most vulnerable in your society, it requires mercy to go along with it. Right? So um, I want us to have a right understanding of what I mean when I say justice. So if you hear the word justice now, we're talking about this word mishpat, that is this kind of restorative sense of justice. Now, maybe at this point you think, all right, I can get behind that. I understand that. Yes, uh, justice is, is fighting for those who are uh, vulnerable. But here's where things get dicey in our culture. We have a culture that disagrees on who the most vulnerable are. We have a culture that disagrees who is actually in need of mishpat, who actually deserves mishpat, right? So, so I want us to answer that question of who actually deserves justice. And the great thing about the Bible, and honestly, the great thing about God's heart when it comes to justice is that God is abundantly clear. Right? God is very clear on who deserves justice. So let me uh, show you a verse in Psalms. We'll uh, put it up on the screen. This is Psalm 146. And as we're reading, I want you to take notes, and I've uh, done the homework for you. Uh, but uh, I want us to read who God says is deserving of justice. It says, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens up the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourner. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Now, when we look at this, who does God say is deserving of Mishpat. Who is God's heart for? Well, it's for the oppressed. 
It's for the hungry. It's for those in prison. It's for those who are sick or bowed down. It's for the immigrant, the refugee. It's for the widow and it's for the fatherless. This is who God's heart is for when it talks about who is most deserving of this kind of restorative justice that we're talking about. It's for these, these, these people. And it's all over Scripture. In fact, it's so all over Scripture that, that theologians have coined a term called the quartet of the vulnerable. Because every time that God talks about showing mishpah or he commands his people to show mishpah to others, it's the quartet of the vulnerable, which is the poor, the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. The poor, the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. Let me give you a couple examples. There's, there's a ton in scripture, but let me give you uh, three. This is Jeremiah 22, three. It says, thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. Notice the poor, the robbed. And do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. Zechariah 7, 9 through 10 says this. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true ju- judgments. That word is uh, mishpat. Render true mishpat. Show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. And let, let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. Lastly, Deuteronomy 27, 19 says, Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice. Do the sojourner the fatherless and the widow, and all the people shall say amen. All right, so it is, it is clear scripturally who God's talking about, right? Who, who are those who are deserving of justice, a.k.a. who should we have a heart for? It's the poor, the orphan, the widow, and the foreigner, the immigrant, the refugee, right? And so in our culture, who is that? Right, the poor, that's those who are experiencing homelessness. It's those who have fallen on hard times financially. Right? It's those who are in prison. Right? It's those who are not able to make ends meet. Right? Who, is, who is the orphan? It's those who are growing up without a father or without a mom. Right? If you read the statistics on fatherless kids in the U.S., it will break your heart. Fatherless kids are so at risk. They, they're more likely to be imprisoned. They're more like, likely to drop out of school. They're more likely to have teenage pregnancy. They're most likely to abuse drugs or run away from home. They're, they're, they're crazy at risk. Like, those are who we're supposed to have a heart for. The widow. It's not just those who have lost a hus- husband through death. It's the single moms. It's those who have been ab- abandoned, those who have been abused. And the sojourner, the immigrant, the refugee, those who are trying to escape oppression, those who are trying to better themselves economically. Those are the people that God in his word has said, hey, you as my people, you are to go and you are to to do mishpah, you are to do justice for these people. Now, the question is why? Because if you look all over scripture, you see our our guy like 421 times uses this word and and looks at his people and he says, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to do justice. I want you to do mishpah. And the question that we have to answer is why? Why is God so adamant about his people doing justice to these people specifically? It's because we were those people. It's because we were those people. Right? When you read in the Word of God, who, like, kind of God's reasoning why, God always points back to the Exodus. In fact, let me show you a couple examples of this. This is Exodus 22, 21. It says this. It says, You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. 
Exodus 23, 9 says, You shall not oppress a sojourner. You know the heart of a sojourner, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Leviticus 19, 33 through 34 says, When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. You shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Lastly, Deuteronomy 10, 17 through 19 says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes mishpat for the fatherless and the widow, loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Now, I realize I just got you scripture drunk, so let me kind of explain what's happening, right? What God is doing here is God looks at his people and he says, don't you dare forget who you were. Don't forget that you were enslaved to a foreign power. Don't forget that you were broke, that you were oppressed, that you were strangers in a foreign land, that you had nothing to offer. You had no social status, like an orphan, like a widow. You had no security, no social status, and yet you have all of those things. Why? Because I was gracious to you. I was merciful to you. I showed you mishpat. You were an alien, and I brought you in. You have a citizenship because of me. You were poor, and now you have an inheritance because of me. Don't forget. Because you treat other people with mishpat, because that's what I did to you. And so for us as New Testament believers, we have the exact same call on our life. See, because the exodus was a foreshadowing of the gospel. It was a picture of what God was going to ultimately come and do for all of humanity. Right, that if you are in Christ, you and I are citizens of heaven. Not because we had the right papers, but because God showed mishpat to us. Right? When, when we were broke and spiritually broke, God has given us an inheritance. He has adopted us into his family by his grace. So now we are sons and daughters, not because we earned it, but because he is gracious to us. When we were far from God, he brought us near. Like our whole status in this universe has changed because our God has shown mishpat to us. He has come after us and says, I'm going to give you what you do not deserve and can never earn. And we see that through what Christ has done for us on the cross. And so for us, there's a disconnect. If we have a posture toward those who fall within the quartet of the vulnerable and we don't have a sense of compassion, if we have a posture that, that is anything other than just that we have missed it. Because the heart of our God and what our God has done for us is that he is a God of justice, a God of mishpat, a God who restores the broken, a God who goes to great lengths to, to bring the stranger in, to feed those who have no food, clothe those that have no clothes. Like, that, like that, that's our story as believers. So the reason why we should be a people that have a posture of justice, because that's who we were. We have been on the receiving end of God's justice, of his mishpat, and we should do the exact same thing. So the question then becomes, all right, so, so what, what does that look like for us? 
How do we actually do that? I want to spend the rest, rest of our time um, honestly just talking about uh, what this means for us in a practical sense. And so the first thing that I want to talk about is this. Um, the first thing that, that it means for us is that we educate ourselves on the experience of others. That we educate ourselves on the experience of others. The reason why I had a, a very unloving posture towards those who are in vulnerable places is because I couldn't see outside of my experience. My life experience told me one certain thing, but when I got outside of myself and when I saw what the Word of God says, I began to kind of investigate the experiences of others. Once I had a a learning, compassionate spirit, I I wanted to know, all right, maybe I'm I'm missing something, right? And so we have this, this need to just understand the experience of others, right? And this comes from reading, right? Like read books, like read stories of what other people are experiencing, Right? Watch documentaries, like listen to podcasts, right? do some work to, to try to understand someone who might have a different experience. Right? Because what happens when those things happen, when we understand the experiences of others, their problems become our problems. One of the problems is that we don't, we don't take the problems of others as our own problems. Right? And we'll actually post on Instagram uh, a list of resources of just, just a place to start. If you're just wanting to read some books and kind of better understand this stuff, man, how, how do we actually educate ourselves? We'll go ahead and give you some resources. But within that, that also means having relationships with pe- people that don't look like you, act like you, think like you, or behave like you. Right? Part of it is we need to get outside of ourselves and actually have relationships. And when I say relationship, I mean an actual relationship. I'm not saying go talk to your black friend, friend at work and, and get coffee and assume that, that his story or her story is the kind of experience overall. It's like, I can you know, check it off. I, I know a black person. That's not what I'm saying at all. That we have relationships with, with people, that we do life with one another in such a way that, that we love them in a way where their problems become our problems. Because when that happens, your, your eyes are open to a whole new world. Right? So, so we need to educate ourselves on, uh, on the experience of, of others in a way that their problems become our problems. But second is we need to get involved. We need to get, get involved. Um, there are organizations uh, that our church partners with that do phenomenal work in the city to fight against injustice. A couple examples of this are uh, the Net and Justin's Place. Ben, ben talked about Justin's Place a minute ago. Um, they do incredible work working with single moms and fatherless kids, um, just walking alongside them, trying to help them kind of get out of poverty. Um, and the net, and they do a phenomenal work. They work with people experiencing homelessness. They experience, or they walk with people um, coming out of uh, the, the sex trade. Uh, they walk with people who are uh, refugees. They, they do phenomenal work. And these are phenomenal or, or organizations that we can really kind of step, step into and help them do what they are already doing in the city of Fort Worth. Um, they, they do incredible work. But I also want to get really specific about, about one other way that um, I'm really excited about for us as um, a ministry. There's a, there's a, a, a Renovate member who uh, just recently started coaching uh, a soccer team through an organization called World Relief. And it's a team uh, full of like, middle school-aged uh, refugees. Um, and something that you should know about being a refugee is that in order to have a refugee status in the United States, the UN has to deem you a refugee. And in order to deem you a refugee, they have to, you, you have to prove that your life is actually in danger. 
So you think about this team of 10 to 12-year-old kids and the things that they have experienced in the first 12 years of their life are unimaginable for a lot of us. And so they leave their home and they come all the way to the United States. They don't know how to speak English. They're in this new world, and what happens is that they get this opportunity to do the one thing that reminds them of home, the one thing in this world that's familiar to them, and that's soccer. But as I was talking to our friend, what I learned is that when these kids show up to the soccer field, and they're good, they just wreck everybody because they're, they're amazing, because they're not from the U.S., because we're awful. And so uh, they just dominate. But, but they show up, and when they show up to play, they look at the other team. And the other team have moms and dads and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and grandparents. And they have coolers with Capri Sun. They have orange slices. They have granola bars. They have snacks. They have cleats and jerseys and all these things. That's what this other team has. And when the other team scores goals, which isn't often, but when they do, this side erupts, the cheer. But when these kids, when they score a goal, they look to the side and there's no one. They haven't had one person come to their game all season long. And so the one thing that makes them feel like they're at home, the one thing that's, that's, that's normal in their life, the game of soccer, even then it's a reminder that no one's on my team. No one's in my corner. I am a stranger in a foreign land, and I feel very alone. So we are going to adopt that team. We're going to adopt that team. Here's a photo of the team. Um, freaking ballers going to win, win the championship. <laughs> um, but here's what that means. If you text soccer to 682-200-0012, uh, you will essentially say, hey, I want to be a part of the rowdiest cheering section of all time. And what we're going to do is we will send you uh, a link to the schedule. And we're going to show up for a semester, for as long as the season lasts. And we're going to be the cheering section for these kids that have no one in their corner. Because part of what doing mishpat looks like, what part of doing justice looks like is just showing up. Showing up and saying, hey, you are loved. What you've experienced, I can't even wrap my mind around. But I want you to know that you are loved here. You are cherished. And, and I'm, I'm in your corner. I'm on your team. And we're going to bring Capri Suns. We're going to bring High C. We're going to bring Gatorade. We're, 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 we're going to just show up. And we're just going to cheer these kids on because that's just a very bottom shelf way of what it looks like to be the body of Christ. To have a heart for people that are at risk, that are vulnerable, that, that are so at risk of being oppressed, or those who have already been oppressed. So I, I would love to challenge this entire room to show up, give two hours on a Saturday, two hours on a Sunday, whatever day of the week is, and, and just love these kids. Just cheer. Let, let them know that someone is on their team and in their corner. So if you text that, uh, our, our team will get back to you this, this week. Um, the first game, actually, uh, for us is going to be this Sunday uh, at 3 o'clock p.m. Um, so if you're available, uh, we'd love for you to show up um, and just be the body of Christ and just love, uh, love these kids, kids well. Um, and just let them know that someone is in their corner. Now, we've talked about a lot. My hope in all of this 
is that we are a people who will understand the heart of our Father. That we understand the posture of our Father. Because I don't know about you, but I want to look like my Heavenly Father. I just do. I think even like on an earthly standpoint, we, we understand this. My, my dad passed when I was a senior in college, and one of the greatest compliments that I receive on this earth is when I meet someone that he knew, and they say, man, you remind me of your dad. Dude, I just see it, the way you talk, the, you, 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 you just remind me of, you know, of your dad. Like, I, I love hearing that because I love my dad, and I want to I model him well. I want to reflect him well. So how much more should we as believers want, just long to model the posture of our Father? And one of the ways that we do that is we develop a posture of mishpat, that we long for people to know, man, that we're on your team. We fight for those that are vulnerable, those who are at risk of being taken advantage of. That should be our, our, our posture. And just imagine for a second, imagine what would happen if this entire room decided collectively that when we walk out these doors, that's the posture that we're going to have. Imagine the type of darkness that we could push back in this world. Imagine how loved people could feel. And when they look at you and say, that, that doesn't make sense. Why do you care for me? Why do you care so much about my needs? Why do you care so much about who I am and what I'm walking through? We get to point to the love of our God and say, man, because that's where I was. It is by the grace of God that I am where I'm at, that I am a citizen of heaven, that I am a son of God, that I'm a daughter of God. And so, man, I want to love you the way that Christ has loved me because I didn't deserve any of this. And just imagine if we could actually step out and say, we're going to be people that are not indifferent, that are not passive, that don't minimize the pain of others, but that we are proactive in fighting against the injustice in this world because in doing so, we get to look like our Father. That's my hope. That's my prayer. Let me pray. Father, I, uh, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for you. Um, grateful that you don't treat our sins the way that they deserve to be treated. Grateful that when uh, we were far from you, that when we had nothing to offer you, that you drew near to us with grace, with compassion, mercy. God, my hope is, I mean, if, for those of us who are in this room who Maybe we've just become hard-hearted in some ways. Or we've allowed our own experience to define the way that we look at the world or define the way that we look at others. God, will you graciously break us of that? God, will you give us the eyes to, to understand how we've actually been saved? How we have been brought near? How we have been given an inheritance? God, may that move us, may that stir us, may that change the way that we approach others, the way that we look at others. May we be a people of justice and mercy and grace and compassion. God, will you just do a work in our hearts? May the city look different, drastically different. May, may families be changed, may lives be changed, but may individuals be changed because a group of young adults in Fort Worth, Texas decided that they wanted to love people the way that you've loved us.
God, will you use us to push back darkness in the city of Fort Worth and to make much of you? We love you. To your sons and pray. Amen. Man, what a challenging sermon from Josh this week. Talking about how we as Christians should be involved in actively pursuing justice for our community and for the world around us. But if you don't know what steps there are to take to start getting involved, reach out to us. Reach out to me specifically at robertn at christchapelbc.org. And I would love to connect you with our local outreach ministry, and they can tell you all the ways that we have that are opportunities for you to start volunteering and serving and taking a part in pursuing justice for the community and the world around you. If you have any other questions about Renovate, reach out to us at renovateftw.org or on social media at renovateftw. And then tune in again next week to hear more from us at Renovate. And we hope you have a blessed week.